Hello, you're listening to Worth the Read Podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Shannon. We're sisters who love to read. So whether you're a hopeless romantic or a fantasy fanatic, you've come to the right place. We retell and review clean stories filled with high stakes, swooning moments, mysteries, plot twists, and oh, so much drama. But in the end, we only have one question to answer. Is this book worth the read? Listen to find out and don't forget to subscribe. Oh my gosh, Sharon. Thank you so much for being willing to speak with us. I don't even, I mean, fangirling hard over here. Oh gosh, please. Every time. See how I'm sitting in my bedroom right now. I have my phone propped on a box. That should have been unloaded. Oh, I don't know. A year and a half ago when we moved. But anyway. <laughs> hey, any, I mean, we're just grateful that you are making it work and you're taking your precious time to be with us. But you're like our favorite person. Um, <laughs> every time like you message us, I'm like, Shannon, listen to this. What does she, what does she said? We always laugh. Like, you're so funny. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like there's no pressure. No pressure. Okay. We're fine. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's just us having a conversation. So yeah, of course, no pressure at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how is your launch going? How's the fake out? Everything going with that? It seems to be going really well. Readers seem to really like it. So that's exciting. And yeah, I it's so hard to know exactly. Like, I mean, because we don't, I don't know. My author friends and I don't go around saying, so how many books did you sell this week? You know, so <laughs> I don't know, like in terms of that, but I'm really excited about how people uh, seem to love May and Chris and, and all the other characters. And so I'm excited about that. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. I know that is really good. So I guess we can start from like the top. What, what inspired you to write the do over is your first book, right? That's the first book that you published. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what inspired you to like write that and to go through with it? Cause it's a, I mean, writing is a long, huge process and it's not easy. It takes a lot of time. So kind of what was your inspiration or your motivation too for doing the do-over? So the do-over started, I, I just made some off the hand comment about, you know, anti new year's resolutions. What if we made resolutions like we couldn't fail at? And then the idea just sort of stuck in my head and kind of built a character around that. I tend to like live with my characters for a long time in my head before I write anything. And so Percy lived in my head for a long time before I actually wrote that story. Cause it wasn't the first book I wrote. It's the first book that got published. So, oh. um, so wait, um, what was the first book that you wrote? So the first book I wrote is a book called learning curve and it's the book that my agent signed me with. We tried to sell it and it didn't sell. And it's kind of like, the book of my heart. It's about a a woman whose best friend dies and she's left to care for her two kids, including one that's recently been diagnosed with autism, which is near and dear to my heart because I have two of my four children are on the spectrum. And so it is definitely women's fiction more than rom-com, although there are funny parts to it, but it just didn't, it didn't sell. And so I started writing The Do-Over, which was actually called The Unresolved Life of Percy Mayfield before the title got changed. <laughs> um, and that was the one that that stuck. And really, it took over two years for it to sell. It took a long time for it to sell. It was kind of 
we were down to the last couple publishers before a bookature snapped it up. So it almost didn't get published. <laughs> wow. It is thing is like hardcore. It's you have to be, you have to have really tough skin. You're going to get rejected all the time until you think your name is rejection. <laughs> you like it, it, it took 107 no's before I got a yes from an agent. Wow. So Whoa. Um, how long, how long were you writing to agents for? Um, it took 16 months. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And then that book didn't sell. So I had to write another book. So it's been like an eight year journey to get here. So, and, and I know, uh, I know other writers that have written, you know, haven't gotten published until their eighth or ninth book, you know? So it's, yeah, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary. And it's, it can be really depressing and demoralizing. And I don't know why we keep doing it. I have <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, why did you decide to go with the publisher instead of just like self-publishing or something? I don't know. I think I'm just very stubborn. Um, <laughs> I have friends that are wildly successful self-publishers. I think for me, though, I get really overwhelmed by all of the little things you have to do to self-publish, and I just don't know if I'm there yet mm-hmm. in terms of like my life and dealing with my, the children that I have. And I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, which explained so much. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so I think that, I don't know if I'm quite there yet. I'm a little scared to take that leap. I'm not ruling it out, maybe eventually down the line, but for now, this is, it's, it's nice to have deadlines for me. It's nice to have somebody take care of things like the cover and marketing stuff and, yeah. and like that, so that I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that is, that is really nice. (laughs) So you said recently diagnosed with ADHD. So what is your writing process like? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So like I said, I usually start with character or an idea and kind of put a character with it. And the character literally lives in my head for months. I take her with me places. I have conversations with her. I know it's amazing. You know, like, I'll just be randomly, you know, I'm at the grocery store waiting in line. What would my character be doing right now? You know, those kinds of things, because I think for the best characters, you know, everything about them, everything about them doesn't make it on the page, but I think that's the way the characters become real is that, you know, them so well that it comes across in your writing, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's so I know that. (laughs) That's good. Like letting the characters marinate with you for a while before you even put, you really start writing. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Which takes a lot of patience. Writing in my head, I guess you could say. So, yes. I know. Mm -hmm. See, people say that (laughs) even with my writing and stuff, they're like, well, how did you? I'm like, it's like a movie that's kind of like playing. Yeah. Oh, we sound like crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, well, do you think in pictures or words? And I was like, well, pictures, don't you? Like, it's like little movies in my head. And that's what I write when I'm describing the movie in my head. Yeah. But apparently not. Some people see the words. So that's okay. such a sad life, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see the pictures. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> Do you see pictures? 
pictures or yeah, hard? I see pictures. Okay, good. I was like, gonna feel really bad for you. <laughs> no, yeah. When I'm reading a book, it's like a whole movie in my head. Yeah. I stop like reading the words and it's like that's yeah. why I get so engrossed in it and it I read so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have because you kind of mentioned the first book that you wrote? Is that would you say that not the do-over? I for, I'm sorry, I forgot the title of the first one, but is that one your favorite book out of all the ones you've written? I would say it's definitely the one that holds a special place in my heart. I think that every author has like a a book of their heart that they write, which I would suggest not trying to get published first. Um, <laughs> the one, because when it doesn't get published, it hurts. Oh. It's just like the book that means the most to you. And because of that, the child with autism and all that stuff, I and, you know, the main character being a caretaker and all that stuff, it really resonated with me a lot and uh, yeah one day I'm gonna get that book published I am good. but just not right now <laughs> that's okay too yeah that's good I want to read it so let me know when you do <laughs> right, so I will keep you posted <laughs> okay so we obviously on our podcast we like to review clean books and the two books that we've read from you the do-over and the fake out are clean is there a reason why you choose to write clean books are you going to always write clean books kind of where is your stance on that for me, yes, I'm a, I'm a Christian who writes general for the general audience. So for me, I just kind of have a line. I do curse. Yeah. Just for me, it's not, it's just my comfort level. I do read all kind of spice levels because I kind of want to keep like, see what, what the tropes are and what everybody's reading and all that stuff. But for me, yes, I'm, I'm, kissing is probably about as far as I will go personally <laughs> and it it is interesting to to have real low spice level and write for the general audience like I have gotten reviews where they have literally said I took a point off because it was clean but I also love when I get reviews from people that are like I read the whole book and I didn't even realize there wasn't any. yeah right yeah and I liked it you know so yeah I think that's so challenging with, especially today when all the books that are coming out, if you can write a really good book and don't have that, that says a lot about your writing, I feel like, to keep people hooked the whole time and to have yeah. real deep meaning in there and to love the characters. Like yeah. that says a lot about your writing too. So great oh, job. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. I think, and I think we, we clean romance writers maybe have to work a little bit harder just for that reason, for keeping people in free. So yeah yeah that's a really good point okay well I love yeah. that no I agree I feel like a lot of the times on book talk and stuff when it's like oh the spice level is here and you should read it just for the spice it's like well what about everything else of the book like mm -hmm. that's what I care about too so it's yeah. like if you're just doing clean you got to be a great writer like yeah so I yeah. mean props to you for that I know because <laughs> I loved your book so much. And the first one, the do-over, I was like, Sarah, you have to read this book. And she was like, I don't know about it. It doesn't have that much romance. And I was like, no, listen, please. <laughs> she was really hooked on it. She's like, we got, you have to read this. I'm like, oh, okay. So then, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm glad I did because there is so much more to that. And, and because you're such a funny freaking writer, it's oh hilarious. Yes. And so it keeps us hooked. By the way, tangent, my mom, our mom read the fake out. She goes, I love it. It's so, funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, we, we just were on a vacation this weekend and we were both reading it at the same time. And we would stop and read the uh, chapter 
quotes whatever you have at the beginning of each one oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and we yes, would say yeah. it to my dad and we'd be like hey dad <laughs> we'd do, like the pickup line <laughs> it was so funny <laughs> we were just dying I was like oh did you get to that chapter yet like that one's so funny oh so my fun. gosh I loved it oh. it was my favorite that thank you so much I really that that's like a big thing for me when I'm writing is I want people to laugh and have fun and smile. So, because that's, I mean, that's how I deal with life. And so it's hard. I I don't know that I could write anything that didn't have humor in it, you know, which is interesting because I started out writing women's fiction and women's fiction doesn't tend to be funny, Mm -hmm. you know? So like when we were trying to sell books to publishers, that was their thing. Like they weren't sure where to, how to market me they didn't know what to do with me exactly so that makes me very happy that, that we you- need more authors like you because I'm like how much how many books have you read there it's like that funny and you're like laughing out loud out loud I know the whole it. like time. it's so rare I feel like yeah so, yeah, yeah for real I loved it it's my favorite <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. Okay. well so speaking of the do-over oh no you were talking about the fake out so let's go to the do-over so in that book, you have your Mimi-isms. <laughs> Is that inspired by your own grandma and throughout that story? So I didn't know any of my grandparents. They either passed away or I just didn't have a relationship with them. And in fact, growing up, it was my mom, my sister, and sometimes my dad. So I was always that kid that I always wanted a big extended family and I didn't have it. So Mimi is kind of like a imaginary grandma that I made up probably from watching too many episodes of Golden Girls. <laughs> She's kind of a, a mishmash of Blanche and Sophia. And that's just where she came from. And when I started writing her, I don't know, in the very first chapter, she said something, oh, men want a spoon and not a ladle. And I thought, oh, she has funny things. She says funny things like that, like little sayings. And so that's where it started with, was with me. Just, I, I would take like a common saying and then flip it and make it a memeism. So yeah. she, she is probably, everybody loves Mimi. So yeah. kind of. A- <laughs> yes, I know. I know she kind of, she helped. I mean, obviously helped her throughout that story. Cause her, her mom wasn't <laughs> the best but yeah no you, you obviously you get drawn towards her because she's just a spitfire she doesn't care and she she's has so funny. the funniest things to say yeah we loved her we definitely loved her um do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from the do-over oh yeah it's definitely when she throws the spanks on the meatball on the oh, meatball. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite part i know we've yeah we brought yes <laughs> Yeah, when we were like advertising for that episode, we do quotes from the book when we posted on Instagram. And that was the one I was like, we have to have that in there. It's so funny. It is so good. <laughs> yeah, I joke that's going to be my band name, Spanks on the Meatloaf. So. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Let's move over to the fake out. So, so did you have an, a, a specific, like a specific kind of experience where the idea came from for the fake out or did that one just pop in your head? It's another one where I had this, I had the idea of a librarian finding a guy sleeping in her library. That's all I had so far. <laughs> and I've had it for a couple of years and I had 
like the librarian in my head, she didn't have a name yet, had a second job working at a wildly, wildly different job than a librarian. But in my head, she was very like dreamy and kind of living in, in books and stuff like that. And then as I started writing it, I realized that is not May at all. <laughs> um, That's so interesting. Live when I started writing her. So that, but I always had that scene in my head, that scene and the, the fight in the barn scene. That was another scene that I had in my head too. So yeah. I don't know. It's like I get like one little piece of something and then it just starts growing in my head. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you just fill in the spaces around it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. yeah. Once I start writing is when I start getting really their character down. A lot of times I'll write like the first, no, 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 30, 40% and then it'll really click. I know who they are. So I'll have to go back and like change a lot of things because- my um, problem too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not a, in case you didn't pick up on this, I'm not an outliner or a planner, but I just, I can't, it feels icky to me to outline. So, oh my God. So, that's just how I, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. That seems, that just seems more freeing to like, to just be able to just write and just see where it goes and take it from there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my favorite okay I love the sayings on her shirts like <laughs> did you come up with those did you research those like where how did you come up with all those yeah so I think one or two I came up on my own and then I also just googled librarian shirts and, and saw what I could you know kind of find or I like switched them up like uh, I'm not a, I think there's one that's I'm not a regular librarian I'm a I don't know I'm not a regular, I can't remember anyway, or I would take like a t-shirt you see all the time and then make it a librarian shirt kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah that was kind of fun too. Just like, I think sometimes it's those little details that make a character kind of come alive, you know, yeah. it doesn't much in terms of words on the page, but it's something, you know, about them and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I loved it. I was like my favorite. I was like, I want these shirts. <laughs> I'm not a librarian, but I want them. <laughs> I was thinking that too. I know. Yeah. I'm like, we need, can you come up with some more shirts for us just for like readers in general? <laughs> well, I do have a t-shirt shop. I haven't been on it in a long time, but yeah, there's, there's a few on there. <laughs> for oh readers. I'll have to go back and check what I have on there. Again, ADHD. I get sucked into something and I start working on it and then lose interest or you know move on to something else so but there is a t-shirt shop out there somewhere <laughs> oh my gosh well let's check that out because that sounds so fun you kind of told me this in dms but will the fake out be kind of like a series yeah and, and so the next book i'm working on is ally's book and Aww. i'm, <laughs> I'm a little nervous because she's a big person a big personality but yeah working on that right now I'm excited about that because she has epilepsy and so I have a couple of women I found online who are answering some questions for me that have a similar similar type of epilepsy and stuff like that so I get it helps me to kind of get in her head a little bit more my son my oldest son was diagnosed with epilepsy about two years ago and so it's been it's scary I mean he has the grand mal seizure so it's really scary to see you know it's, I'm thankful that he doesn't remember having them or anything like that, but I'm, I'm excited, a little nervous, but excited about bringing that rep 
two books because you don't really see a lot of characters with epilepsy. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. in so yeah, I I I'm I'm excited about that for her. But just her story in general. It's a best friend's brother. Best friends. Nope. Other way around. Brother's best friend story. Road trip. And that's as far as I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I'm excited for that one I love her so much yeah, she was so wild <laughs> oh my gosh yeah <laughs> she's amazing <laughs> oh my gosh okay do you have a favorite scene from the fake out or favorite line oh gosh favorite line well I like I love that it suits you or that whole you know you suit me just fine yeah do not that just happened that's one of those things that just happened again I started he said it to her the first time in the when he finds her in the restaurant and I don't know it just became a thing like he he was a um a very real character to me too like all the little things that he did like he taps her on the nose a lot but I didn't realize he was doing that even like from the beginning like I didn't do it intentionally he just did it okay. if that makes sense that so I really liked that little story not sure where that came from but that one and I mean I love his sisters too they crack me up so they're the, the thing scene and where they're over there you know giving them scores and stuff like that so <laughs> that was really great <laughs> my favorite <laughs> <laughs> no for sure that line the it suits you I loved how it was like how it came from his dad Mm-hmm. It was like, that's how he like compliments his mom. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of flowed. Yeah. You can tell it just, he admires his dad. So it flowed naturally to the son. And now he does it to who he's trying to romance. It's so cute. Yeah. I just love it. And yeah, the whole scoring scene, I was, like I said, it's a movie in my head. I was dying. I could perfectly picture that part. <laughs> I love writing big families, big fun families like that. I, I, yeah. Or big, messy families, I guess. I mean, his family was great, but you know, I mean, Percy's family and the do-over, obviously a little more dysfunctional, but I loved writing them too. And I think that's just one of those things that's always going to be in my stories, big, big families like that. I think because I didn't have a big family growing up. So it's always something I've longed for. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, who doesn't want? Yeah. It's so fun. Okay. So this is a fun question. What is your take on book boyfriends? Do they exist in real life? Oh, okay. (laughs) Book boyfriends are fun. I get, I, I get, I've, I've had a few reviews telling me that, that Chris is too perfect, but whatever. I think I'd find him annoying sometimes. So, okay. So I don't, I, (sighs) Hmm. I don't ever want to write one of those alpha male, like super possessive kind of heroes that I know are popular. The thing is, is maybe on in a book, we find that interesting, but we don't marry those guys. <laughs> yeah. We want to make nice guys. <laughs> we want to yeah. marry nice, sweet guys who are partners, you know? So I think that's the kind of guys I hope I'm writing is more those kinds of book boyfriends where I think Nate was like that in the do-over who was just generally a nice guy that mm-hmm. and Chris too I think I I really wanted him to be a good guy because I think that's what May needed especially she needed someone who was good and solid and yeah to show her that those kinds of guys do exist so 
I agree. We just read and did a book a couple episodes ago where he was way too perfect and we were like "Mm, that's not really realistic but I agree I think I don't think Chris is too perfect he definitely has moments where he's like frustrated and shows his other emotions real he seems real yeah he seems real I don't think and I think he's you could very much find a Chris in real life yeah and and that's a good thing too because you want readers to aspire to that too you know you want to set a good example in the books that you're writing, I think. I mean, I think that's a good thing to do. But also, you write contemporary, right? I mean, you'll find a lot of those other kind of characters in fantasy or whatever more often. And it's harder to make to really fall in love with a character who is like that in a contemporary type of story, I think, at least. Yeah, it's like not realistic. It's and not, it's, and it's off-putting, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in like real life, it's a it's a red flag. For but sure. Yeah, <laughs> it looks fantastic. Yeah. That's exactly right. We would be like, no girl, you stay way far away from him. Yeah. But for some reason in books, people eat that up. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So I know. I've just made a conscious effort that I'm not going to write. I'm not going to write my heroes like that. And that's okay. You know, not every guy is a type A. <laughs> you know, there's some type B heroes out there too. I married one. So... <laughs> Okay, speaking of you married one, this is one of the questions on here. And we love love stories. So we want to know what is your mute cute with your husband? How did you how did you guys find each other? What's your love story briefly? <laughs> right. So my best friend married his best friend and we were both in the wedding. And I came from I was I came from Oregon and he came from Texas and the wedding was in Idaho. So we met five days before the wedding or something like that. And the first words he said to me were, boy, that guy's a real jackass. So I kind of joked with him about that. And then after the wedding, I got home and I was actually the one I think that reached out to him first. I got my first email address ever because this was like 1999 or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) We, We were like pen pals, I guess via email. I still have a lot of those emails too. I printed them all out. And so we, we did that for a while. And then I went to visit him and, or I went to visit my best friend who lived in Texas and he also happened to live in Texas. So I found out he'd taken the whole week off of work while I was there. I didn't know that. And so I spent a lot of time with him then, and it just kind of led one thing after another. And we, he came that, so a year later, a year after we met, he came for the summer or not for the summer, for a week during the summer. And that's, I don't know if you've seen the, the dedication and the fake out. Yes, hilarious. <laughs> yes, that is a true story. He took me on a, a a hike and we stopped and there was like a waterfall in, in, in behind us. And he turns to me and he's looking deeply into my eyes. And then he's still looking deeply into my eyes. And I got nervous and said, what do you want? <laughs> He did kiss me finally, and he did marry me after that. So I think that's pretty good. So I moved to Texas right after college and we got engaged the next month and we're married five months later and we'll celebrate 22 years next month. Uh, So, and it's been a a crazy 22 years. You know, he went, I, I taught for the first seven or eight years. He went to seminary and then we moved to Houston and he couldn't find a job. He's a chaplain. He couldn't find a chaplaincy job at that particular time. And so he ended up going into the corporate world doing taxes and he hated it, but he lived like that for 
10 plus years because we had four kids and two of them had autism and we had to have health insurance and, you know, taking a leap and doing what he really loved and wanted to do seemed really scary. And then in 20, August of 2020, he was laid off after 10 years of working with them. And then he got COVID and ended up in the hospital in October. That was pretty scary. And then in January, our son started having grand mal seizures. And then in February, a big freeze came through Texas and it totally destroyed our house with frozen, with, with the pipes, the burst pipes. And he still had a hard time finding a job. We had to live in a hotel for five months while our house got re put back together. (laughs) And then in, I don't know, about September, his unemployment had run out. He wasn't finding a job. And then he got offered a job in Washington state as a hospital chaplain. And so we moved up here, which was kind of a scary thing. He's never lived anywhere, but Texas, the kids have never lived anywhere. And I have kids with special needs. So taking them out of school and doing those kinds of things, schools that they've always known, everybody knows us kind of a thing. So it was a big, scary move. We moved up here and I think it's been good for us. It's been, he's working at a job he loves. A month after we moved here, I got offered a book deal. So it's been the last three or three years or so have been like really, really crazy for us, but I can't imagine doing it with like doing life with anybody else. And we do have a lot of challenges, I think with, with our kids and just with life in general. I mean, I have three teenage boys right now, so our grocery budget is insane, but yeah, I think we're, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I'm very blessed to have him. I think he's a great dad to our kids. I think the divorce rate for parents of kids with autism is like disgustingly high. So to see him with our kids and to relate to them and have patience with them and stuff like that is really, that's like the stuff you fall in love with when you're married. Does that make sense? Like you don't, you don't fall in love. You don't know that stuff before you get married, but then afterwards the love kind of changes. And that's, that's one of the things that you, you, one of the ways you fall in love with your husband all over again is to see things. Yeah. That was beautifully said. (laughs) That was really good. Wow. Well, that's a really great story. And I'm glad that everything kind of turned around for you guys a little bit once you moved. I mean, that's good. That's always a good thing. Oh, you know what? There was a really good question that came from TikTok. It's from Shay with a blue heart after her name. (laughs) And the question that she has for you, has any of your characters, good or bad, been influenced by past love interests? Oh, okay. Well, here's the truth. I've only ever dated one person and I married him. Oh, wow. So technically, yes, maybe. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah. He was, I know this is for a romance writer. It's probably crazy, but he's my first kiss, my first date, my first everything. So I don't know about past relationships. I think just as a, I was such a quiet, reserved kid and I read all the time. And I think I'm just a people watcher and people share stories with me all the time, you know, like all the time I will get stopped. Strangers will just start talking to me and then I know their life story kind of a thing. So maybe I, I guess I pick up stuff like that, you know, like just 
watching people seeing how their lives turn out i mean i will tell you that may is probably a character that's most close to my heart my dad was in and out of prison growing up he was a heroin addict he you know so that relationship between lucy and dale i saw a lot of that growing up and i wanted my mom worked her butt off she worked two and three jobs she's not had a stroke but and she took care of us and but it was not an easy life or an easy childhood and I think I can see I understand May's trust issues and stuff like that you know I think that's why I've only ever dated one person like that's what I prayed I just wanted to get it right the first time and be be done with that because I I just I don't know that I could have stood to have my heart broken a time or two because of how I grew up. So I think God really answered that prayer for me. So in that way, I guess that relationship kind of was something that I observed and I was sort of part of in a way. Yeah. So, so, so you said that May is really close to you. Would you ever write a story that's based off of your own love life? Or are you not interested in doing that? I've talked a little bit. I mean, I, I have some friends who are encouraging me to write a memoir and maybe one day I will do that. It's just, it's like a time thing. I can't figure out how people write two and three books a year. Like I can get one done, you know? So, but one day I think I could see that being in the cards as something that I, I write about for sure, because I think, yeah, I just see, I mean, not to get too Christian-y here, but I definitely see how God's faithfulness has gotten me through a lot of things. I should be a statistic because I had a parent who was a drug addict and sometimes we were homeless and sometimes, you know, we were very poor, but, you know, we got through all that. I got through all that. And I think, I, I mean, I think God got me through all that. You know, I like to say he got my, he got a hold of me when I was six and he never let me go. And wow. So, sorry, oh. <laughs> I didn't mean all religious on you. So uh, <laughs> but I, I think that uh, one day that story is probably going to come out. I don't know when, <laughs> maybe when all of my children are, no, I have one kiddo that's going to be with me forever. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have time, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's really powerful. Thank you for sharing all of that. I mean, it sounds like you've been through a lot, which I'm sure helps too, when you write and have to take on different perspectives and experiences too, to make it real, you know, in your writing, to make it really authentic and gritty. I think that experience probably helps you in that way as well. But yeah, I'd be interested in hearing your memoir someday too. So (laughs) I'm sure that'll be like an emotional thing you'd have to go through too. Like that'd be like therapy, almost writing a memoir. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> okay. So I have kind of like a generalized question. So I asked like, or I have on here, what plans do you have for the future? But you already said that you're working on the next book. That's kind of part of the series for the fake out. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything kind of lined up past that, that you're kind of thinking of already? So Allie gets a book and somebody else gets a book that oh. you've met already in the fake out. And then I don't, I, I have ideas. I've started a couple of 
books that I really want to finish. So we'll see what happens after that. I mean, I, I currently have a, a two book deal with Bookature right now. So we'll see what happens. They always get first pick at the next book or next book idea. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I have lots of, lots of ideas, lots of things that I can write. I, I don't know if I, I, I think I have like some women's fiction books in me too, but always with romance, I can't not write a book that has some kind of romance in it. I, in fact, that's like one of the things I look for when I'm reading. It has to have some kind of just little hints of romance, even, you know, somebody I can ship. I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm on the, uh, yes, I agree hundred <laughs> percent. So that's kind of where I am right now. And we'll just see, we'll just see what happens. I don't know. It's all, it's, it only takes, like, I've had friends whose first books have done great and the second books haven't done so great. And then their publisher doesn't pick them back up or, you know, it, it's so, oh, I don't know. It's so, you just never know what's going to happen. But for now I have lots of ideas and I hope I get to tell the stories. I'm enjoying writing rom-com. I think it's fun. I love, I love that I can make people smile and laugh and I, I hope that they see that the characters aren't perfect and that, you know, I am dealing with kind of tough stuff, but making it lighthearted. Okay. So what are your top favorite romance books or books in general? I guess you could say, I know you mentioned, or you told us about the blue castle. Haven't read that one yet, but do you have like top favorite books of all time that you absolutely love? Sure. So a tree grows in Brooklyn has always been my favorite. I found that in the library when I was in high school, read it, loved it. This one's kind of funny, but it's true. The best Christmas pageant ever. Seriously, one of my favorite books of all time. I read it every year to my kids. I still cry at that ham scene. Everybody should read it. Uh, and then I'm May has that line in the book about how she doesn't trust people who have one favorite book. It's kind of the... <laughs> <laughs> So I could tell you tons of books that I just love. Like there's a book by Maggie Osborne called Silver Lining that I love. It's like an old, older historical romance, like a Western. Maggie Osborne writes amazing characters. She wrote, she, you know, they're spicier, but not, not, not very spicy, but she writes amazing characters and she's stopped writing over 20 years ago, but I still love that book what else who else recently like in the last five years one of my favorite books has been beasts of extraordinary circumstance by ruth emmy lang which is this weird and wonderful book that's about a boy who can control the well a boy who grows into a man he's kind of raised by wolves a little bit he can kind of control the weather and it sounds wild and i don't really read fantasy and stuff like that but i just love that book so much and i don't think it's one people have read enough so that one I've loved. The Blue Castle, like you said. I Capture I capture the Castle is also a great one by Dodie Smith. And that's an old classic. And Kristen Higgins, I love as a contemporary romance and women's fiction author. She's one of my favorites. She kind of got me started in some ways to, to write the sort of books I write because she writes, she's very funny when she writes. And I thought, oh, I could, I could do this, you know, maybe. So and I've had the pleasure of meeting her and she actually read the do-over and wrote me a review and everything. She's amazing. I really love her. Who else? I don't know. That's a good start. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you can tell me what kind of book are you looking for? You know, you, 
and I can then I can just make a list of books that oh you should try this one and this one and this one there's just so many what did I just read trying to think the last five-star book I read only love hurts like this by page tune that's the first page tune book I wrote I think people that like Colleen Hoover would probably like that one it was more angsty and emotional that was pretty good and then you have people like Emma St. Clair who write just really fun solid rom-coms clean rom-coms gosh oh I just read Tex Miller is Dead by Kelly Elizabeth Houston that one was really fun and a little strange but it's a it's also a romance with a higher spice level not when I say higher I mean higher than mine but not like crazy high (laughs) (laughs) but I really like that one like I could go on and on for days talking about books like so (laughs) got me well do you have do you have a book recommendation that we should put on the podcast that's like clean that you think is that people will love again I'm saying the blue castle and because I know you guys have done some some older classics right did you do Pride and Prejudice or? Oh, no, maybe? we did. No, we did. Well, we've done like Regency novels maybe uh, so from that time period. They're not, they're written more m- within the past couple of years though. So, okay. okay. So, we um, one, though. so we'll do, we'll add Blue Castle to the list. Okay. Please do. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know when it's up. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'll think. I'll get back to you. Okay, no pressure at all. (laughs) Uh, It seems like they're all kind of all over the place, kind of, (laughs) which is fine. Yeah, well, I think that's one of the, first of all, I think all writers start out as readers. I don't, and I have always been a voracious reader. I think that when you do that, you are consuming you're consuming story, like how story works, how the story arc is, what what you love about the characters and the, and the story so that when you start writing, it's almost ingrained in you. Like you don't realize you're doing it when you start writing. And that's not to say don't study, you know, story arc and all of that stuff. I'm not saying that, but I think the more you read, the more those things soak in by osmosis. I don't know. Yeah. They, be, they just become you know, like you always, you know, that this has to happen before this happens, before this happens kind of a thing. Like it just makes sense in your head. So for that, and I also think that writers should read widely, like read all kinds of books, read really good books and figure out why they're good. Read, read not so good books and figure out why they're not good. Read different genres than you normally do. Don't get just stuck in one because there's a lot of great stuff out there that might surprise you. You know, like I read Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir last year or this year, I think. And it has zero romance in it. And it is so full of science stuff. You would think that I would get bored and fall asleep, but I ended up really loving it. And I think it's because you fall in love with the characters in that book. So, and you want them to survive. So I think, you know, that, that would probably be my biggest, you didn't ask me this, but my biggest tip for for someone that's starting out in writing is to read, 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 and read widely and read out of your genre, read in your genre and figure out why you like the books you like and why you don't like the books you don't like. Cause I think that's just as helpful. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good tip for all you want to be writers out there. (laughs) Myself included. (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. Okay, I guess we'll end with this one. What has surprised you most about being an author? Oh boy, 
that people read my book like it's <laughs> I just yeah it's crazy to me like I'm I'm just it's I, I feel like I say thank you all the time but I'm really just grateful that anybody would take the time to read something I wrote and that they take the time to read it and that they reach out to me and tell me how much they liked it, that they post a review, that they do any of those things. It's wild. I mean, there are so many books out there that you can read so many and to take the time to somehow pick mine and to spend the time reading it is such a compliment and freaks me out every time. So (laughs) it's wild to me. Like I got a review from someone in Australia and I was like, someone in Australia read my book. I mean, I can't get my mom to read my book right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's us. Their parents like don't listen to our podcast. Like, okay. <laughs> like, well, you just listen to one episode. It's like one hour, but okay. <laughs> that's funny. It's so true. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. I know wow. when I had you read like like the first draft of my book and she was retelling one of the parts, it's like it worked. Like, I can't yeah. believe the ideas that are in my head, like you got it. Like yeah. that, that was crazy to me. I and mean, I haven't published or anything yet. So I'm sure I'll get to where you're at, but like, yeah. That's- yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get over that, that there are people who want to read what I wrote, you know, and I get terrified every time a new book is coming out or, oh, I get really terrified when someone I know is reading it. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what if they hate it? <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. luckily for you, they've been great. So <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. No pressure again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's tell everybody where they can find your books. And please, once once you do read her books, leave a review. But where can they buy your books and all that kind of stuff? You can buy the paperback on Amazon and most online retailers. You could get the ebooks on Amazon. The do-over does have an audiobook that's on Amazon. The fake outs audiobook is coming out in September. Oh, yeah. And the do-over is being translated into German, Turkish, and Czech. Oh so, wow. Yeah, crazy, huh? That's yeah. even how do you say y'all in, y'all in in German? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Can you imagine Mimi in German? I don't know. <laughs> that is going to be very interesting. <laughs> I feel sorry for the translator, really. <laughs> uh, I hope they pay them well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we know people can follow you. Tell us your 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 social media handles and where people can find you on social media. I'm mostly everywhere stone, S-T-O-N-E 401, because, you know, I've thought long and hard about finding something easy for people to remember. <laughs> no, I've for years. That's actually my email address too. So yeah. So I'm that, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook as Sharon M. Peterson. TikTok doing really, really terrible things there. Uh, <laughs> Webs. I have a website, SharonMPeterson.com. I have a newsletter that I send out very infrequently or sometimes frequently. It just depends on my mood. And yeah, I mean, I'm not hard to find, I don't think. So find me. And 
We'll put a link when we post this, we'll put a link to your books or maybe even your website so that people can find you easily. Thank you again. Do you have any other last questions? No, I think we covered it. <laughs> Thank you. Gave us so many funny, hilarious, entertaining responses to all of our questions. And like I said before, thank you for taking the time. I know you have kids and everything. So it really means so much to us. And I'm just like, I feel so lucky that you even reached out to us in the first place. Like, are oh you kidding? <laughs> what? Somebody did a whole podcast episode on this? This is nuts. So no, I think we're probably feeling the same thing. Okay. <laughs> I know. Um, I feel so lucky. It's like, we'll tag all of the other authors of the books we do and they like just don't respond or anything like that. So it's like, you totally engaged in everything. And we're like, so excited. We were just like, oh, freaking out. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, anytime anybody, I try to, I try to respond to everybody's, you know, because people don't normally tag you if it's not positive. So I don't know what would happen if they tagged me and it was negative. I probably would have ignore it right so no I always want I mean again because y'all are taking time out of your lives to do stuff that you don't have to do like you don't have to read my book you don't have to talk about it you don't have to do any of that it just blows my mind so thank you too thank you for that so it was super fun talking to you I'm so excited that we got to meet and yeah well and I'm scared to see what this looks like when you post it so <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much we're gonna be tagging you on some stuff and I just I can't wait for whatever else you come out with I tell everyone about your books so we're legit like huge fans so, so we just feel so lucky that you took the time to speak with us so thank you Sharon thank you Oh, thank you all so much. This was a great way to start a Monday for sure. <laughs> yes. Well, have a wonderful day. We'll talk with you later. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.